Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of A Hundred Steps to Drag, the podcast where I sit down with your favorite drag artists and ask them, how did you build this fabulous career? I am your hostess, Natasha Hundreds, and my guest today, honestly, a joy to be around. Fabulous drag artist dominating the Boston and LA scene. She is an actress. She looks supple today. Please help me welcome Betty. Hello, hello, hello. How are you, Mama? I am so great. Thank you so much for having me. No, of course. I've been wanting to have you. Thank you so much for saying yes. I know that you've been busy. You've been working, factoring, dragging to all that. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I can feel this amazing after an eight hour shift that started at 630 in the morning, I'm I'm feeling great. I'm on top of the world. Girl, bitches wish that we, they have that skin, <laughs> that soft skin like you do. You look great. You guys can't see this, but Betty's skin looks really nice. And she's been up since 6.30 a.m. 6 a.m. So honestly, I wish I could. It's it's secret sea salt moisturizer from the Dead Sea that my mom brought me back from like a trip to, I think she was in, oh God, what country was she in? Hmm, what's over there? Um... Wow, I had that all planned out in my head and it was going to be a good bit, but it it died. It died. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like that my mom brought me for Marshalls or something. <laughs> no, it, no, she was straight up um, on a trip to Israel. Thank you. There we go. That was the country that she was in. And um, my mom would, like went um, on like a day trip from Israel over to the Dead Sea and they took a, they have like a spa treatment like as a part of the Dead Sea. It's crazy. Ooh, that sounds fun. Speaking of things that are not that, let's talk about your drag. Please tell everybody, you know, a little bit about you. How would you describe your drag? Yeah, so for me, uh, kind of my go-to sentence when I say, like, what is a Betty show? Like, what is Betty's style? What does drag mean to me? Um, I think drag is to be an idiot as glamorously as possible. And um, I really love to subvert expectations when I'm in drag. So if I'm all dolled up and I'm looking super glamorous, super gorgeous, like runway ready, you know that I'm going to give you like the dumbest number possible. And then if I'm like dressed as like a alien creature, I'm probably doing like a really emotional ballad or something like that. <laughs> My drag, I love to, um, to tell stories with it. I love to come from a theatrical kind of viewpoint. I'm a actor and so kind of all of my training and background for performance is kind of from a, a theater maker a writer and director's point of view and perspective and so all of my drag is a point a point b and point c introduction a rising action a climax and a resolution like i really love to have a neat story for every number that i do with drag i love that i love how much thought you put behind your art honestly i need to take notes on that i'm like this is a fun song let's do this <laughs> but i love that you put like a whole storyline together oh my goodness such a great tip it's honestly just the only way that i feel that i can um like truly perform a number um for myself like i could just like try to lip sync a full song or something if i wanted to but like if there's no um point of view or perspective I feel like I'm phoning it in and so I really um it's honestly all selfish it's for me if I don't have like a full storyline planned out I'm gonna not give a like great performance myself like I won't have the energy to do it 
And that's important because if you don't do things for you, then it's not, you're not going to enjoy it as much and that's going to reflect. So honestly, mm-hmm. always do it for you. And I love the balance of like looking as an alien and doing a serious song. It's all about balance. You know, it's all about peaks and balances. Nice. So today we are going to be talking about support systems. I think these are so important for drag. Without like, you know, my friends uh, and my chosen family, honestly, I don't think I would have gotten this far as far as like support systems and drag. Yeah, girl, I feel you. I feel like for myself, um, my support system really has been like my uh, family, my parents. Um, Mama with an I and uh, Papa with an I have been kind of my biggest cheerleaders and support system, like as far as uh, getting into drag and starting like my drag career. Um, to go kind of back to the beginning of where I started, I started doing drag in June of 2020 in the pandemic. And I really didn't like know what I wanted to be doing. I was just living in New York and became super unemployed. I was doing background acting as my day job. And so I had no jobs and no skills to get like a different type of job or a remote job. Um, And so I ended up moving in with my parents in Boston. And they are the ones who like pushed me into um, doing drag. Um, They were part of this neat little community in the South End of Boston that was hosting these uh, weekly sing-along events and that everybody would gather outside and some neighbors would play music from their windows and people would dance and, you know, lip sync along to the songs outside as safely as they could. And it was a nice way for people to still be able to see each other um, distanced and outdoors, but still be able to like feel like part of a community. And then when June rolled around and I had moved in with my parents, my mom was like, well, you bought that wig. You should like go do a drag number. And then I did six drag numbers instead of just one. And then it became like a bi-weekly and then monthly like thing where I performed in drag on the street corner for my neighbors. That is so wild. You went from like zero to 200 and just like that. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, really thanks to like my mom and my dad, they really were like, you should just go for it. You you feel like you are not like performing and you don't know what you're doing. And this is something that you clearly have some type of passion for. And it's nice to see, they were like, it was just nice to see you like creative again, because um, I had really felt kind of beaten down, not only by like the pandemic, but by like the musical theater industry in New York City. Like I didn't feel like I was getting to create my own work. And so I was really lucky that they really wanted me to do that. That is so beautiful. I love that your your parents are the ones that are that were pushing you to do this because a lot of people that I've talked to, their parents are not always supportive or in my case, my mom doesn't know I do drag. So I love that it's the opposite for you, that you have that support system that is super, super important. Were they ever resistant of, of anything or were they always supportive of, of your drag or were, were there any point where they were like confused? Uh, no, they've really been kind of my biggest support my whole life. Um, they were supportive of me when I decided to like really try to pursue theater and acting and performance. I transferred high schools when I was in high school to, from like a regular public high school to a performing arts magnet school. And then I went to college for theater and they also have their full support behind that. I'm just one of the really lucky ones that lucked out with a family that really wants me to succeed and be happy in what I want to be doing. And I think that support and belief in me is really what's paying off into my success. And 
I'm very lucky that I've always had that because I, without them, I would have had basically none of the opportunities that I would have had to keep honing in on performance and acting and all of those types of kind of artistic careers that people don't really take super seriously. But my parents were like, well, you take it seriously. And so we believe in you. You're going to make me cry on this Zoom call. That is so beautiful. Honestly, oh cheers God, to all the, all the cheers to all the supportive parents. We need more parents that like that, that understand their child, understand that arts can be a career. Props to your parents, honestly. Props to mom and pop Betty. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Bill and Sue. Shout out to Bill and Sue. Honestly, Bill and Sue, if you're hearing this, we love you. <laughs> They will. They will listen to this. They listen to anything that I do. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Bill and Sue, if you want to, if you need a child, a Hispanic child, let me know. <laughs> I'll, I'll pencil you in. You have to have a drink with my mom. That's her uh, requirement for adoptees. And if you're a sober person, that it can be a non-alcoholic cocktail. Hey, if she's all about drinks, we're going to get along just fine. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of drag artists try to do a lot on their own, which is great, you know, their own costumes, wigs, everything. But that can also have like a big toll on you. Why do you think it's important to have a big support system or a support system, period, when doing drag? A lot of it is like learning without people there, like in your life, um, whether it's in my case, I was really lucky that my family, like my mom was the one who helped me sew like one of my first outfits and like taught me how to like use a sewing machine. But when you have people like in a like a chosen family or drag family um, in that support system to teach you new skills so that you can learn to be self-sufficient, it's really hard to learn on your own. And especially in my opinion, when um, you start doing drag, like as in your adult life generally, not that everybody starts doing drag in their adult life. I've seen some teen drag queens out there and I'm like, damn, they are really turning it. And I was like, I didn't even know what drag was when I was like 15 years old. Um, but like learning new things, I think as an adult is really scary and hard and you, and like, I'm a really proud person and I don't like to like admit when I'm like not good at something. I like to fake it till I make it. That's kind of like my motto in life. But Sometimes you got to just bear down and be like, hey, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. Can anybody teach me any of those skills? And I can repay you with um, doing spotlight for your gig or doing the door for your gig. Um, anything like that can be really, really helpful in kind of like a, a beginner's person, uh, somebody who's just starting kind of their career in drag or entertainment. It's sometimes rough, but, you know, and sometimes you think there are uh, you think you're going to learn a skill that becomes something that is you just don't have like the knack or the talent for but having people there in your corner to help you learn or to help you do those things is really really helpful honestly it is and I can relate to you a lot with the fake it until you make it and being really proud about these things because I am very like that too. I will fake it all the way through and I think for me it works but sometimes it's hard to admit like okay I need some feedback like when I just started doing drag I had the opportunity to guest host a drag race viewing party and this was my first time hosting anything I was hella nervous <laughs> but I was like you know what let's do this and obviously my friends were there and one of my friends he's super quiet he's like a little reserved he's more like an introvert and I think I was texting him the day after I was like oh what did you think you know how do you think it went and he gave me the most 
honest piece of feedback ever. He was like unfiltered, which is great, right? But at the moment, I was a little taken back. I was like, oh my God. But then I was like, okay, don't even overthink it. Like, you know, he's doing this because he's your friend and he loves you and he's trying to make you be better at that. And now that I look back at that, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's something that like I was really lucky to learn pretty early in life, wanting to like pursue entertainment and performance is that like, you got to learn how to take a note. And you have to learn to find people in your life that you trust to give you notes, because there are people out there that listen, sabotage is real. Sabotage is real. Some some of those saboteurs are out there trying to take you down when it's unwarranted. But the people that really love and trust you can give you constructive feedback because they want to see you grow. No, 100%. Definitely don't trust a drunk girl after brunch trying to give you makeup advice. <laughs> don't trust the, the white twink <laughs> at the club. Like, I, will, I, I will never trust a Twitter twink to give anybody advice on drag. Never, ever, 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 ever. Never, never. They don't even know how to hold a makeup brush. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Find your support system, whatever that looks like. Uh, because doing drag is hard. People don't realize it. People think it's it's very easy. And then when they try to do drag for Halloween, they're like, whoa, this is a lot. In your opinion, why do you think it's the hardest part of doing drag or being a drag performer? Sewing. I'm so bad at it. I have no dexterity. Let me tell you, I've tried to learn how to play the piano. I've tried to learn how to play the saxophone growing up. Um, I have no skill with like dexterous things. We had to do costume lab in college where we had to like be a part of the uh, like um, costume workshop at my, at my university. And we had to like sew labels onto things and steam and press and sew and cut. And like, I'm so bad at it. I was never good at it in school. And to this day, I'm still so bad at it. And I feel awful because I have all these grand designs in my head that I like try out and it just doesn't work. And so I'm jealous of you because you're a really good sewer. Thank you. I try to share as much as I can, but it is hard. Oh my gosh. Especially if you're, you know, if you don't have the patience because it's a lot of trial and error. So it's like, oh my God, like, what am I doing now? Like, uh, it's a lot. And then also like having commissions, it's getting expensive. It's getting quite pricey to have a designer, like put your idea in into reality yeah which i mean it, it makes sense because when you're trying to make something yourself the cost of the materials and your own labor is very expensive and like i get why people charge as much as they do for commissioned pieces but it's that's really pricey to go down that route and can be it can be very resourceful for yourself to be a better seamstress but it's definitely the skill that i don't have so that's definitely for me the hardest part of drag is actually constructing a, co a costume from start to finish um, but I guess more metaphorically speaking, the hardest part of drag, um, I think is just like believing in yourself and like knowing that you can, I mean, that's so corny. Oh my God. I can't believe those words just came out of your, my mouth. But like, I guess having a point of view is really what I'm trying to say. Like, I think you should have a point of view in drag and, um, it's something that I believe in strongly and I really always, um, focus in on and try to hone my own voice and my own perspective so that, when I'm doing a number, it's unique and it's not something that people have seen before. And I'm not even like, I'm not a big stunts girl. Like I'm not, I'm not out there like doing splits and tricks and flips and dips, but I'm going to give you something that you haven't seen before. I promise you that. And so I think 
developing your own voice as a performer is probably the part of like the drag journey that takes the longest and is the hardest to kind of build up. You're right, because I think that developing like a drag persona is also very hard too. And it goes by hand by hand with having that point of view. At the beginning, a lot of us, and I include myself because I think I, I went through that phase of trying to be the stereotype drag queen that is like oh yes mama and this and that and i'm like uh, after a couple of like months of trying to be that person i'm like i don't think it's working for me i don't think that putting on that character is it's 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 who i am and it's who i enjoy to be so i just honestly started like just being like an amplified deacified version of raul when i'm in drag so it's yeah but it, it takes time to just realize that and even then after i realized that it takes time to like build up that drag and that persona maybe after we get off this call i'm texting you an old photo of my camp era makeup i'm not saying that i'm not camp sometimes but everybody can be camp everybody has camp qualities to them but like camp drag makeup i feel like is a very specific like style of makeup that you know it when you see it and like when i was trying it mama did you do like the the huge white eyeliner underneath or what was it I just, I'm going to send you a photo after this. <laughs> <laughs> and you can meet me for film. I'd be like, it wow. should be, it should be like the, the image of like the, of like the, the podcast episode. Oh my Spotify. God. Okay. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll put it like, in like, like small. <laughs> Back to the support systems. Uh, you said that your parents are probably the people that have supported you the most. What would you tell them as a thank you for all that support that they provided to you? Oh, gosh. Um, thank you. I'm really sorry that I there's probably no way in my life that I'm ever going to be able to um, repay the amazing gift that you've given to me and being able to pursue my own happiness, my own dreams, and just pursue myself and choose myself. You're the people that taught me to choose myself first, always. And that's a gift that most kids that I know don't receive from their parents. And so I'm eternally grateful for that. And it's not a gift that I can ever repay, but by gosh, I hope I'm making you proud by, you know, doing things, being on TV like you. We always believed that I could. And yeah, I love you. And I hope that one day you listen to this and you can know that um, I have more gratitude for you than I'm ever going to be able to repay or express. Oh, Bill and Sue. I know Bill and Sue are probably crying right now listening to this. I, it was not my intention, but that was beautiful. Oh my gosh. I'm not a dry eye in this podcast. Oh, no, I'm crying too. Oh. <laughs> Can't tell if I'm crying or if it's moisturizer. <laughs> it's going to serve us both. And I know they're proud. I know they're proud because you've done so much. You've been on TV. Can we talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about that. New episodes actually just dropped today. So that's really fun. I'm on the Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO Max for anybody listening. I play the role Travis and uh, Sex Lives of College Girls is in the middle of its second season. Episode five and six just dropped and um, more episodes uh, released uh, every Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. And that's super fun. I was just really, really lucky to be able to be a part of it. And I love the I love the show. It's so fun to go to work and like be surrounded by the most hilarious people. 
I've seen the clips you posted because I'm a little cheap. I do not have HBO Max just yet. Girl, <laughs> but, just use my login. <laughs> oh, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to have my friend give me his login. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, you owe me one. I'm just kidding. No, but they seem very funny. I've seen that you have like some one-liners that are really, really funny. I'm like, I cannot wait to just bench this in like maybe three days. Yeah, it's definitely a great show to binge. Um, you know, the, the more times it gets rewatched, the more residuals I make. So, hey, okay, I'm gonna put it on the background <laughs> while I'm sewing, while I'm doing my makeup. <laughs> How was the audition process for that? Um, that was an audition that came through kind of at the end of 2020. Um, was just when people were starting to think, oh, maybe 2021 restrictions will release a little and we'll be able to go to set again. And then I forget which variant. I want to say it was like Omicron variant at the beginning of 2021. One of the variants like really hit people hard. And then like there was like a lot of shutdown of things again. But the audition came through at the end of 2020. And I just sent it a tape. And I actually accidentally sent it um, to my agent late. Luckily, my agent usually sends things like a day before it's actually due. So it, I sent it. 24 hours late to my agent, but it was on time for the cutoff for the audition. She's corrected me on that story before because I told it wrong. She was like, no, you were not late. I would never let you submit anything late. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I just got booked off the tape. Wild, no callback, just right from the one video. You're like, yep, coming up, coming through. This is the you have to report instead. Pretty much. That was pretty much it, actually. <laughs> I mean, for me, that works. But the le less auditions that you have for something, just, you know, the better. Why do you have yeah, to see me 13 times? Yeah, sometimes you audition for things and you're, I've, I've, I'm in, I'm auditioning for something right now where it's like, I make audition, callback, test shoot, blah, 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 wait another month. <laughs> sometimes it just takes forever. It just totally depends on the role and the project and the people that are in charge. They get to de make decisions fast or slow. I get it. I've only auditioned for something because I'm not an actor. So I was reached out well, to. Well, we just worked on a movie together. So you're an actor now, bitch. That is true. That is true. I am a paid actor because <laughs> I check cleared, honey. So I'm, I, I will say, I will rephrase that. I'm not an experienced paid actor. <laughs> there we go. So I've only auditioned for something once and it was over Zoom. And I thought it was so... I don't know, like awkward, maybe because I'm not used to it. But I, I just read for the part. Um, and I probably read for like, you know, just twice. And they were like, okay, well, we'll let you know. And they were like, well, um, if anything, recording will start in August, whatever. And then I remembered just a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, oh, it's November. They're probably <laughs> booking me. No, girl, if you didn't hear back, that means they did not book you. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, I did audition for that. That's true. <laughs> you you only hear things of this business when you're booked, when you get booked. That's the only time they talk to you. If you aren't booked, you don't hear shit. It is what, it, like I said, I'm not very experienced, so I, I get it. I cannot blame them. You also threw the first pitch at a baseball game just recently, right? Yeah, shout out to the Woo Sox, the, the Worcester Red Sox, not to be confused with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they're different teams, but the Worcester Red Sox, the Woo Sox, as they're called, had me and a friend, uh, Regina Jackson, host a little show for their Pride Night, uh, the city of Worcester's Pride Month. Uh, you know, like different cities have like 
Pride month that is like slightly different than June. We typically think of June as like the big Pride month because that's like the global, the world Pride month or the national Pride month. But um, a lot of cities will have like their own Pride events at different times of the year. And so uh, Worcester, it was like the kickoff of their of their Pride um, month for, for that month that we threw the pitch, which I wish I could tell you what month it is, but my God, I don't remember what I ate for breakfast this morning, <laughs> so. I don't blame you. Honestly, the older that I get, the less things that I remember. I'm like, what did I do last the weekend? And I cannot the, just the, like fathom. The, the older that I get and the more weed I smoke, the less I remember. <laughs> okay, maybe it's that. Maybe it's not age. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's that. Okay, you're right. You're right. I did for, yeah, I forget. I, I smoke a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you've done a lot of gigs. What's probably like your favorite gig or opportunity that you've gotten in drag? Oh, this is a really tough one. I kind of have like a top two and they were like kind of back to back. Um, I will say like from an energy perspective, like the best audience I performed for was the freshman orientation at the Berkeley College of Music in Boston. The energy from that crowd was insane. Those kids, those freshmen Berkeley College and were just like the coolest people and they they lived and I, I got to host and hire a bunch of my friends to come and perform for for me and it was a like two hour show and it was just an amazing time on the stage like on a real stage uh, at the Berkeley Performance Center uh, right in the middle of Back Bay in Boston it was just like beautiful venue amazing tech amazing team and like crew over there and the audience was off the charts and then my runner-up is uh the i got to host the very first ever burbank pride here in los angeles or burbank not la but just north of north of los angeles anybody who's from the la area listening to this will know where burbank is i got to uh host the very first ever burbank pride also get to bring a couple of my friends and then there's a bunch of like other queer musicians and artists and dancers and Naeem Bialik from Jeopardy and Big Bang Theory. Um, she was kind of like a guest, special guest, secret guest. I got to meet her, take a little selfie with her. So that was super fun. And that was for like almost 3000 people. The hard part about that event was that it was protested. There was a group of 50 protesters trying to call us child groomers across the street from the event. Um, Luckily, they didn't actually cause anybody any like physical harm, but I just really felt bad for like the kids that were at the event because it was a it was an all ages event, um, the Pride event for Burbank, and um, it was like I just felt bad for the kids to have to deal with like a bunch of angry adults yelling at them for either who they are, or who their parents are, you know. It's truly getting out of hand because these people need to get something better to do than protesting on some direct shows. I think I read, I saw an article just yesterday uh, that somebody shared on Instagram that some right side groups are doing like a system or something to like inform each other of drag shows yeah from what i'm aware of the burbank pride event it was like a facebook group that like patrols like events happening in the city that they live in and then like notifies a bunch of like other people to come and like protest the event it's kind of wild yeah that's exactly what it is it's like um right-wing groups have created drag alert system to monitor performances i'm like come on like are you kidding me you you certainly 
must have better things to do with your life than to just keep track on where our drag performance is happening. You know what I'm saying? Do you know who do you know who my most devoted fans are? Two toddlers, toddlers, four-year-olds that live in the south end of Boston. They have been supporting me since they were two out on the street in Boston. They their parents would bring them to my street corner drag shows in Boston. And to this day, every time they see me, they're like, Betty, look at me, look at me. And they try to like imitate like a dance move or like a twirl that I've done in a show before. It's like they're literally the cutest things in the world and I love them. Oh, I said Republicans because they've probably been to a bunch of your shows and they keep track on like when you're performing, but that is such a sweeter story and, and wholehearted story. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, I will say not all drag is for everybody, but kids definitely should take a part in that. And it's up to the parents to decide it. Why is this such a big deal lately? I don't know. Political agenda that we don't have to get into, but it's wild to me that people dedicate so much time to this, to us. They view they view drag performers and uh, just queer folk in general as inherently like sexual beings that will like do sexual things. And it's the same argument that's been being used against us for over a century, like well over a century. I mean, it goes like all of this is the same things that were happening in the, the Lavender Scare, also in the Reagan era of ignoring AIDS and villainizing gay people for the AIDS epidemic. Like, it's the same tired old story. And now this time it's just focusing on drag performers and trans people. Going back to our support systems topic of the day. I know I love I love that we're deviating, but honestly, all these things are important to talk about. We have to touch on them. I posted recently a video about burnout on TikTok. And it's about like, oh my gosh, like you have to rely on your support system because doing drag is a lot. So I was like, oh, find, you know, you know, your chosen family, your actual blood family, your partner, friends, whoever to help you out. And somebody commented, uh, what if, you know, my parents are not accepting of that and my friends are not into it and my partner doesn't enjoy it. I mean, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on this because I mean, personally, I feel like drag for me is such a big part of who I am. It's not only a form of income, but it's a a way of how I express myself. And I honestly cannot see myself not doing drag. That if my partner or close friends wouldn't be like as accepting as they are, I don't think we've had such a close relationship. So I almost comment back and be like, babe, you need a new circle around you you know but like what do you think i would tell that person um if they're listening to this podcast first of all i'm sorry that you're um seem to be kind of going through this and surrounded by um people that don't understand or don't want to try and understand the struggle that you're going through and not feeling that that you can create in the way that you really want to um i will say this I'm so inspired by other performers. Whenever I start to feel really burnt out, I go and watch my favorite movies. I watch my favorite TV shows. I go and watch my favorite YouTube clips of lip syncs. I go out. Um, I'm lucky that I, I tend to live in cities where there are drag scenes and communities that I could go to. I know that for some people that are bedroom drag queens that or drag performers, I should say, uh, bedroom drag performers that are uh, living kind of in middle of nowhere areas that don't always have access to go to a city where there is a drag scene that it can be a little harder but when I get to go out and see my friends perform it really lifts me up and inspires me so I would say try and find people and other drag performers that are might be in your area that you might not know about 
but I promise you they're there, they're hiding, we're everywhere. And see if those people can understand what you're going through and inspire you to continue to move on with your kind of adventure and developing and creating who you are as a performer. You're so smart and sweet. I would have just said like, you know what, girl, boot them. You don't need them. But this is so beautiful. Like, you're right. Because, you know, I, I kind of like forget that you can have several different circles, right, of friendship. So if this particular circle that they have right now is not quite understanding or doesn't really or is not into that, maybe they can create another circle where, you know, people that are supportive and they can get together and they can support each other and help each other out. I yeah, DM it. me and Tasha. Honestly, yeah. you're like a literal, if you're a literal child, I don't engage with actual minors. So if you're a literal child, I'm sorry, good luck. But um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I will, I will always like welcome people with open arms. Same here. Same here. We've talked about so much of the past of where have you been. Now let's talk about the future. What are some of your things that you hope to do in drag um i ask all my guests this so what is your short-term goal in drag maybe for like the next year and what would be your ultimate goal for your drag um i know that i really really um want to uh like kind of a short-term goal is i really wanted to get a weekly show going which is very hard when i am somebody who literally splits my time and lives on both coasts so that's a bit more difficult for me to commit to doing a weekly show but i really want it in my cards for the next year there's some stuff that i've auditioned and been in callbacks for that if come through will be really helpful for me to kind of center myself and be in a location where I could probably commit more to doing like a weekly show. Uh, just because, yeah, really, like I haven't committed to doing a weekly show really because I live in so many locations. And then I really uh, also want to keep growing my following on social media. And I guess a long-term goal is I want to incorporate a lot more of like my own interests into my drag persona. Um, I think I develop characters a lot when I perform. Like I'm really good at developing like oh, this is a minion who had a really bad breakup um, with their banana lover. And then their banana lover came back at the very end of the number and proposed because their love just couldn't keep them apart. Like I'm good at developing weird shit like that. But <laughs> when it comes to like, I like um, really wanna, uh, I'm talking with a friend to possibly come up with a Pokemon themed uh, show. Uh, which happened. I've seen Pokemon themed drag shows before. I know they exist, but like I want to come up with one uh, myself because it's like a huge interest of mine. And I randomly just got like a 2.7 million viewed video on TikTok uh, that was Pokemon related, which has which is so random because my TikTok's growth has stagnated so much. <laughs> but um, and I was like, okay, I guess people really do want to hear my opinions about Pokemon, so. Listen, things like that. I really want to um, incorporate a lot of my own nerdier niche um, interest into my drag and not just focus on like creating this person who's like other than me, but like put a little more of myself into my drag. If you, well, not if, when you have that Pokemon show, let me know. I will, I, I'm living for the new games. I've always been a Pokemon girly. So let me know. I cannot wait to, to put a little number together for that show. Yes. Also, DM me your Switch friend code so we can trade. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Have you finished the new games, by the way? Po Pokedex is complete. Um, I already have four shinies. 
Um, I'm working on grinding up my my Pokemon for terror raids. So I can't. I'm still finishing up because I get lost. I guess in the best way possible in the region. It's so big that I'm like, oh, what's over here? And there's like little items. And then I'm like, oh, I don't have this Pokemon. So I still have like one gym, actually one of everything, one gym, one Titan and one base to get through to get to the game. So it's, I've been taking my it's sweet totally, time. It's, it's totally worth it. And the end, the end like story is really good. So I highly recommend. Oh my gosh. I'm going to do that like tonight. <laughs> Good. Yay. <laughs> I'm excited for you for the future because, again, you've been doing drag since 2020, which is not very long. It feels like it was yesterday. And you're doing already so much. So I, you have such great potential, such great energy. So I know you're going to get all of this and more. Thank you. I'm manifesting some type of me appearing in drag on TV at some point. I don't know what form that will take, but I really 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 want to like do drag on television at some point so that's kind of and i and i'm straddling this cool line where like i'm already acting on tv and i'm doing my drag shows and i really want to like have all of that together so hopefully that happens at one point or another i know it will because you're building up to that like you said you're already acting on tv you've been doing acting for years now you're great drag artist so i think it's it's getting there you know it's building up to that other than the obvious drag show that is mainstream on tv what show would you like to be a part of if they were like okay this is a list of shows that are currently on air pick one and you'll be on there automatically i'm really fortunate that um i actually have gotten a lot of auditions for various movies and tv shows um like as like drag characters and then nine times out of 10, I see them go on a year later and they are always played by uh, somebody who has been on the more famous <laughs> drag drag television show. Um, so part of me is like spiteful and really wants to like book a like something in drag, like like it's just so that I can be like, ha, I did it. Um, but like, I guess the show that I would really love to be on, you know, I think something like, I feel like White Lotus could do with like a fun night out for like the young people. Um, to, and then like, like they see like a drag scene and like wherever they are, obviously not in like the current season of White Lotus while they're in Italy, but if they do like a third season of White Lotus and they're back in like a, like a American or English speaking country, like I feel like it could be like a fun night out. Like if they did like White Lotus in like New York City, I don't know, something like that. Or like really like ritzy part of like Los Angeles or something. That is so fun. I've heard so many great things about White Lotus and it's been on my list forever. And obviously I can't see it because I think it's an HBO. You don't have HBO Max. (laughs) Yeah, but I've heard so many things. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll wait. (laughs) I think that if I could choose like a, a show to be on, it has to be a reality show because, again, I'm not very experienced acting, so I don't want to deliver something that is like, girl, <laughs> what the heck? But I would love to be on The Circle, and I've heard said this before, I want to be on The Circle on Netflix. Have you watched it? Girl, they do not pay you enough to be on The Circle. I have gone through The Circle audition process. It's not enough money. Really? Oh my god, no, don't say that. My heart's breaking. <laughs> You're, you only get paid like $100, like an episode. Oh no, so if you get booted like the first episode, you only get $100? Oh my god. I'm so dead. Circle, pay your people more. 
Oh my god. Pay your contestants more circle. Circle message. Pay us more eggplant emoji. <laughs> I know, isn't it wild? Like you can make more hosting like a drag show like at a bar than you could like on a reality TV show sometimes. It's crazy. That part. And you don't make a lot hosting a drag show, so that should tell you. <laughs> you really don't. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I get sometimes people offer me some high rates, okay? Same. And I'm like, I'm flattered and I'll take it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yes, and <laughs> where do I sign? Betty, it's been fabulous talking to you. Where can people find you on social media? Anything that you would like to promote to the listeners out there? Of course, of course. You can find me everywhere online at B-E-T-T-I underscore with underscore and underscore I. That's my TikTok, my Instagram, my Twitter, which is dying, um, and uh, all other social media platforms by Venmo. Yes, I'll put your link three on the description of the episode too, so people can see it, can follow you everywhere. And buy my merch. Buy her merch. A great Christmas present. What What do you have in your store? I haven't visited. I just have some t-shirts and stickers. Honestly, that's more than enough. That yeah. is more than enough. Listen, I it's t- a good Hanukkah present. It's a good Hanukkah present. You know, you have to buy six of them. So <laughs> you can buy Are six you- little stickers. I love it. <laughs> Honestly, I would take all six of them. I Amazing. have to. I have to get better at merch, but I don't know what Ooh. to make. I don't know if I I should do like t-shirts or like I don't know if people want to have my face on them or like keychains. I don't know what should be a good merch. People want put your face on it, girl. You have a beautiful face. Not right now, but thank you. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean right now. I definitely didn't mean right now. I love that. I don't know. Maybe like a little bag. Like a little makeup bag. A tote. A tote. The totes are coming back. I remember when- they've not had a long enough cycle to like die and come back. Yet. It's only been like 10 years. True, true. I remember when drawstring bags were the thing and like everywhere, every pride, they like the one standard, the one company would have drawstring bags would have like a line of people trying to get them. My favorite thing- um, with about working on the sexes of college girls is like every season I get like a new bag like I have like a really lovely like canvas fabric bag and that then I also have a drawstring bag and I have like a cheaper like kind of grocery store tote bag they just keep handing us bags when we go to set they're just like here's a bag here's another one here we go <laughs> honestly convenient especially for drag I need like 17 bags oh for sure Oh my gosh, I just got gifted like a whole new complete like expert makeup artist kit set of makeup brushes. Literally a full brand new set of brushes that would run you like $300 like total like the set. I got it for free. And I was like, I was like, I'm making it, bitch. (laughs) Get your bag. Literally get your bag. (laughs) Get your makeup bag. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to 100 Steps to Drag. If you like my podcast, please leave me a review. If you didn't like it, um, you can keep that for yourself. I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.